I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Christine Thoma. Christine is a high school English teacher, as well as a blogger, a speaker, and the author of God's Whispers, Your Anchor Through Life Storms. I am excited to have her on the show today to hear more about her book. Welcome to the show, Christine. Hi, thank you for having me. You are very welcome. I'm so glad you could be here. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are? Well, um, as as you said, I've been a high school English teacher. I've been teaching for the past 28 years, which doesn't seem possible because I'm still 29. And uh, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have a husband named Phil who I, I met at the zoo in the monkey section um, to a band <laughs> called the Love Monkeys. And we met in, two, when did we meet? We met in 2001 and we'll be married 20 years this summer. And we have two adopted sons, Beckett, who's 11, and Gavin, who is nine. Oh, that's amazing. So, and you, how did you meet your husband in the monkey section? I'm so intrigued. Well, I I was having a really bad hair day and a pimple that day, and I didn't want to go out. And my girlfriend um, said, you have to go out. There's this band. You love live music. And I'm like, no, no. And then I had this like little inner voice. You want to call it the Holy Spirit or God talking to me, which is also the theme of my book that I wrote. And it was like, you need to go, you need to go. Some, some, you're going to meet someone important there tonight. I was like, really fine. So I went and I literally saw him like in the, the monkey section was hosting the band called the love monkeys. <laughs> and I saw him from a, literally like out of a movie scene. Like I saw him from across the crowded room and um, there he was. And my friend's like, he's checking you out. I'm like, no, he's not. And he came over and he's like, how should I wear my hat? And he was kind of acting all cute. And I'm like, okay, this guy is kind of nerdy. I, I like this. He doesn't know how to wear his hat, but he's actually not nerdy at all. He's a really cool guy. Um, and from there, we just started talking and dancing and we had these really deep conversations. He had just lost a friend to melanoma, like, which was unusual at age 25. And I had oh. just lost my best friend in a motorcycle accident. And so we had this deep conversation about life and death and living life to the fullest and finding someone who's Christian. And um, from there, we just hit it off and he gave me his number. And I said, well, I'm not going to call you because I don't call guys. And he's like, what? And he had never been like, girls chase him. He's a really good looking guy. Yeah. And I, I think that is what won him over because I wasn't like jumping all over him. So, yeah. <laughs> so we met. Oh, I love that. What a good story. <laughs> and I'm sure your sons, do you tell them that? They probably think that's funny. They think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, being a high school English teacher, I imagine that you did some writing in your life previously before you wrote the book, but did you always have an idea that you were wanted to be a writer? Yes and no. Um, back, back in elementary school, I was always into writing in my journals and I had pen pals from all over the United States where I wrote my cousins. I wrote my grandma who lived two hours away in Illinois and I had a pen pal in Australia and I just thought it was so neat. Like I think that taught me to write to an audience. Like they were excited to get my letters and we would trade smelly stickers through the mail and all these different things. And it was just really fun. And I, that's how I kind of think I developed so much of my writing. I just was writing to people all the time and always talking to people too. And um, 
as time went on, I remember like third grade ish, I wrote the story about a UFO and going to space. And my uncle was a famous rocket scientist at NASA. Um, wow. He got honored by like President Nixon and helped um, the magic triangle got figured out the math like to get them back to space. So he Impressive. was a really interesting, <laughs> interesting guy. So, but I wrote a, a story about outer space and meeting aliens and it was very fictional, but my dad read it and he's like, wow, you could be a writer. And that was the first time I thought about that. I'm like, could I? I don't know. And, and from there, like, I, I actually didn't think I was very smart going through school. I, I was kind of labeled in the bluebird group and wasn't in the high reading group. And it's because I, I was bored. I didn't yeah. know. And finally I tricked some teachers in eighth grade and, and tried for once. And she said, you're a writer. You need to go to this other group. You need to be in this honors group. I'm like, I'm a writer. Really? And so I started starting thinking like, really, this is interesting. So when I started high school, after going to a parochial school, um, I, I, I was, it was just kind of interesting because I'm like, I'm going to trick all these people and I'm going to try and I'm going to see what happens. And I started getting A's on writing. And then this writing teacher took me under her wing and said, you're going to be a teacher someday. I'm like, no, I'm not. She goes, yes, you are. I'm like, no, teachers make no money. There's no way I'm going to do that. I'm going to go own a business and work for Nike and write advertisements. And she's like, she laughed. And she's like, okay. She's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I ended up being the school uh, copy editor. And then when I went off to UW-Madison, I ended up writing for a side job, I was a publications manager for the school newspaper. And so I was always doing kind of writing things and I just really liked writing, I guess. So I, I didn't really believe I was going to write a book until 2001. I was in church and I'm the pastor's giving the sermon about how God talks to people. And I'm like, well, this is interesting. I'm like, I'm like, something's always talking to me. I just called it my intuition but sure. he was like, the Holy Spirit doing it. And I was like, huh. And, he, and then literally in the middle of the sermon, um, I hear this voice in my head, not a real voice, of course, but uh, said, "You're listen really carefully. You're going to write this book about all the ways I talk to you through some seriously challenging times you're going to have. And you're going to write this book that's going to help others. So pay attention. And I was like, whoa. And, wow. <laughs> and my husband, who I was dating at the time, he stuck with me, the one from the zoo. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he heard a message from God in that sermon saying, you're going to marry this woman and you're going to make sure she writes this book and you're never going to let her give up on it. And right after church, we both went to the Barnes and Noble. He's like, I need to buy you this journal. I'm like, why? He's like, because you're going to fill a bunch of these up. I'm like, wait, wow. God just told me I was going to write this book. And he's like, really? He told me I have to make sure you write the book. I'm like, okay, this is weird. I have the chills right now. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, that was 2001. So this is how long it's taken. And I literally filled up journals. I don't even know the exact count, but probably 10 to 15 journals of just writings of all the things that would happen and quotes and reading books and getting ideas and having it all kind of come together. And did I believe at times I just threw the book away and let it sit for a year and didn't even touch it. I'm like, this isn't happening. And I would kind of challenge God and say like, well, if you really want it to happen, send someone to help me. And all of a sudden someone would show up and be like, oh, you're, I, I know exactly how to help you. And like, okay. And they'd give me an idea and then I'd get going again. And, or if I didn't think I was going to write it and I said to, no to God, like, no, I'm not writing this. I'd be woken up at three in the morning with an idea and a dream. And, I, and he'd say, go write this down. Here's the answer to that problem in that chapter. Here's what, how I handle it. And and I couldn't go back to sleep until I wrote it down. So the book yeah. kind of had to get written because we just needed to be stopped being woken up at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that because what I find so impressive is I have these moments in my spiritual life that I 
I'm like, am I not listening to God? Right? Like there's those moments of silence too, where you don't always hear like what yes, you said totally. that push. And so there's moments when I'm like, okay, am I just not listening and I'm talking over him? <laughs> Or is it just a moment when he's not, you know, he's not, he's, I know he's always present, but right. he's not giving me a message at that moment. I just need to be still, right? Because I think there's some beauty in that too, but that's a really hard spot for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. So being still, but did you ever experience moments like that in this journey? Moments like stillness, you mean? Where, where, where he wasn't, where I wasn't getting those messages? Yes. Oh my gosh, all the time. That's okay. Just- very, very much. It wasn't always like, it's not like I can call him up and be like, okay, talk to me about this. I mean, I can try, but it it's on his timing. It's on his, and yeah. you know, it's his will. I had, a, you'll see it if you, if you look at the book, there's some chapters of where I went through 10 years of 30 miscarriages. I had 30 wow. losses. I, oh I'm a very persistent person, so I didn't quit, as you can see. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have trouble getting pregnant, but I would lose it early on in the process, anywhere from like, you know, four and a half weeks pregnant to eight weeks pregnant. And wow. I just kept trying and trying different things, even to the point of IVF. And in that time, God was silent and I was losing my mind. Yeah. And, and every once in a while, he would talk or I'd get a message or I'd get a sign. But there were times where I was... It, it was super hard. Um, so I kind of show that in the book too, like his silence and his unanswered prayers for a biological child that um, in the end, it there was a meaning behind it. There was a reasons for it. And, yeah. um, um, and, and you kind of start to learn um, he's always there and he's carrying you in those times. He does, he doesn't always talk. Yeah. Wow. What an emotional journey for you with that. <laughs> um I've kind of tried to switch the script a little bit when I experience some emotional difficulties or grief or things like that of, I, it's helped me recently to say like, God, what are you trying to teach me yes. in this moment? What, what am I, you know, cause it, for me, it, it kind of gives purpose to the pain. Yeah. That's the whole reason for my book to help other people. I want yeah. purpose that. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a point where I changed the prayer and it was like, it's not about what I want. It's about bless me with your will. Like, tell yeah. me, tell me, you know, if, if it's not in the cards for me to be a biological mother, then help me accept that and take the desire away so that I don't keep having this need to be a mother. And, yeah. and I, and if it's meant for me to be a mother, then let this adoption happen. Tell me to go on that path. And eventually there were signs that would just pop up. So like, like, kind of like light, bright lights shining. Like, yeah, you're going to go on that path. Like there'd be people who would say, you know, when we were looking for the adoption agency and if that was the right thing, all in one day, three different people who we didn't know, they were like friends of friends, just like would randomly call or email or someone would say, oh, I got in touch with so-and-so and they use this agency. And ironically, or not ironically, <laughs> it was the same agency, Adoption Angels in Texas. What are the chances that three people on one day would wow. get that message that it's that agency that I should go to? You know, and then and when Beckett, our first child, we, you know, the process of waiting for an adoption isn't easy either. I know. So that's an emotional journey and, too. And, oh yeah. It's a whole different journey and it's a whole different yeah. card set. And when we were at the one year mark of waiting, I was losing my mind again. Like, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like yeah. I was crying to God saying, give me a sign. And I look up in front of me and a lot of times you have to ask for the signs and you have to really look and yeah. not, and you have to be patient and you have to have that discernment. 
And all of a sudden I see in front of me as I prayed and prayed, I'm like, give me a sign, please. And I look up and I said, Phil, look at, there's a Texas license plate in front of us. He goes, don't read into that. I'm like, yeah, but look at the bumper sticker. It says someone in Texas loves you. And he's like, again, Christine, calm down. You're don't, yeah. I don't, he didn't want my high, my highs would get high and my lows would get low on this journey. Cause you know, yeah. I'm this persistent lady, <laughs> and he kept it pretty calm. I was like, I'm not going to get excited about this. Well, the very next day I got a call. Social worker in Texas said, uh, an adoption couple, uh, a couple picked you last night at this time. And it was the time I saw the license plate and saw those number sticker that said someone in Texas loves you. So, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. So then oh, that's when, we amazing. Were, when we were down in Texas, like she was getting induced and we met the birth uh, parents for the first time. I'm in a gift shop and I'm nervous as heck. So we're going to meet them and the baby's going to be born like in that day or so. And I go in the gift shop and there's a bumper sticker. It says someone in Texas loves you. So I bought it and gave got one for a scrapbook and one to give to her, told her the story and she just loved it. And she's like, that's really cool. But yeah. it's story like story after story after story like that in my book on all different topics. So. Okay. And do you offer, I'm imagining like any advice for us that maybe we don't give the discernment or we don't, we're not listening, right? Or we're not open is there, or is it more just through example you're teaching? I think it's through example, but there, I think that there is, I kind of quote the pastor who kind of gave the formula of how do you know it's really God? And it's, is it, is it something that God would do? Is it godly? Because it, if it goes against the Bible or against God's teachings, it's probably not something you should listen to. Yeah. Um, would other wisely counsel say, yes, you're right on. So like, you kind of have to check it. Um, and two, like, has it come up more than one time? Cause sometimes if, if you keep getting the same message over and over, that's also kind of a sign. Yeah. yeah. And then I, and I show too, like through the different stories, it's not just like one way that God talks, like it, it might be different for everybody, but for me, he would talk to me through like, um, the Bible, through other people, through songs that would come on the radio, through movies. I mean, I was getting messages through like, um, <laughs> through like children's movies and Star Wars. I'm like, are you serious, God? But it would be like the same message over and over about believing in myself. And I'd be like, okay. Like when I was going through yeah. a difficult like job situation or something. Um, so like, it was like even songs and movies and books, like quotes, nature, like signs from like, like a, a ladybug that would show up. And like my grandma used to call me her little ladybug. And she said, you know, I'm not going to make it to your wedding. I'll be long gone by the time you get married. And then on, as I'm walking down an aisle, she, as she always called me her little ladybug, a ladybug flies on my dress as I'm walking down the aisle. Wow. And then my friend who died in the motorcycle accident, right as I'm walking down the aisle, tons of motorcycles go by and, and his whole family's like, oh, that was like a sign too. It's just, it's like little things that you'll know what it means. And like, you yeah. just like there's just you don't have that doubt like um and then oh even license plates we had lots of messages with bible verses on license plates yeah so, so it's oh. just uh I, I just think if when people quiet themselves everybody can get um that discernment and that intuition and that holy spirit talking to them and yeah. what's been really cool is there's been some agnostics who read my book who've walked away saying i'm not agnostic anymore like i see these signs that you're talking about and there's something to it and i'm like yeah that's kind of cool. Yeah. And just opening their heart, right. To yeah. be open to that being a possibility, I think is really cool. Exactly. Do you still, so obviously this was your journey. You wrote this, uh, I think you published it late last year, right? Late 2022. Yeah, it okay. came out December 7th. Well, it was, it was like a little bit before that, but I got my first copy in my hands on December 7th. 
Okay. All right. And then, so obviously this was your journey over, was it over this 20 years mm -hmm. time span? Okay. Yeah, it was. All right. And then I'm imagining you're still getting these signs, right? But now you have your book published. So <laughs> <laughs> I am. And I, I, I have ideas for a second book. Like people are now starting to come to me, telling me how they see God working in their life. That one's like, want to wants to share their stories with me, which is awesome. Yeah. And um, I kind of want to do like a chicken soup for the soul, like a second book of like other people's stories with me kind of editing them and putting them together along different themes. Yeah. Or you could do a little podcast of all this. That I would be cool. Their time, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then have your children read this book? You know, they they haven't read it cover to cover. I mean, they're nine and eleven, but they read the yeah. chapters about them, and they they were fascinated by it. I mean, there is one where Gavin, like we this we talked about him pooping. <laughs> I don't remember why it was really funny, but he's like, "My gosh, my poops were are famous." Like I was worried <laughs> about how I farted and how I like. I'm like. Great. That's what you got out of my book. <laughs> Sounds very typical of a nine-year-old boy, right? That's yeah. your youngest. <laughs> but Beckett, Beckett was intrigued by um, his story about how hard it was to get him to become our son. And then Gavin, my second child, he had a lot of health issues when he was born. And he's a miracle baby. Like he had a hole in his heart. His kidney was wow. malformed. His hearing wasn't there in one ear. He had a genetic mutation that if he would have had the other copy of the gene, he was going to die by age one. And so we had the whole church prayer for him and all of these things went away except for something called he had something called um, asymmetrical crying facey syndrome which means his lower lip muscle never formed properly and when you have that you often have all these other things wrong like down syndrome autism he has none of that he's actually kind of a gifted child and very athletic and wow. social and very normal boy um and, and just a gift to he's just amazing but he read that chapter he never knew those stories and he's like wow I'm really special I'm like okay don't get a big head but yes you are <laughs> I'm like, god, god did some miracles with you <laughs> that is so sweet so are you still getting woken up at 3 a.m with messages yes yes <laughs> so that didn't stop <laughs> it, it stopped it slowed down it slowed down but yeah. okay all it's right. now more about, it's now more about like, reach out to this podcast and market it here and make sure this person knows about your book. I'm like, so now it's more about like getting the message out there and yeah. giving the ideas of how, so. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, I hope that our, this podcast will be another little way that you can get that out there and you're my first one. So I'm very, it's very special <laughs> as I'm talking or as you, you were talking about your book. I'm like, I have so many friends that have had similar journeys with infertility and miscarriages. And I think that this is a great book that I'll be sending along for sure. Oh, that, it's great. Thank you. I, I, I really think that population it's, it's, you know, Maya Angelou says, write the book that you need that doesn't exist. And this book didn't exist when I needed it. Like yeah. I really needed to know I wasn't alone and that, so much of infertility and miscarriage is taboo and people don't talk about it. And I remember going to my pastor and crying and, and saying, I'm so sick of people telling me to trust God. It's like, I'm not trusting enough. Like it's, it's not about trust necessarily. It's about accepting his will and, and having faith that it'll work out somehow, you know, and, and whether that's a child or not a child, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I, I just, I remember like, him telling me, you know, when people have cancer, they have support groups and they have prayer groups and people are really empathetic. And then when you have a miscarriage, they don't know how to respond to you or they say something stupid. And um, it, it's just a really different journey that 
um, I lost friends along the way because they didn't know how to respond to me and I didn't know how to respond to them. And it was, people couldn't relate unless they went through it. And it was really difficult. Yeah. yeah My whole we... book helps people because, and it's not just a book about infertility and adoption. Now, granted, that's about maybe a fourth to a third of the book, but it also covers topics of like love and loss. Like I talk about losing my best friend in a motorcycle accident and my grandma. And, um, I talk about the the first chapter opens up with me going through a near death experience. Um, I'm in high school school and I go through the tunnel and I think I meet Jesus. I mean, that's debatable up for debate, but I believe I did. And at that point I was told to listen to my heart and go back. It wasn't my time. And ironically, yeah. this day, that song, Listen to Your Heart by Roxette, comes on whenever I'm having doubt about anything or not knowing where to go. It's like a sign. Like, and I show that throughout the book, how it comes on the radio at different times. Yeah. But, wow. but, the, but the book also covers, like, finding your purpose. And, like, as I said before, I didn't think I wanted to be a teacher, but I was meant to be a teacher. And, like, yeah. God made that very clear that I had no choice. It was like a magnet being pulled to that field. And same thing with writing. Whether I wanted to be a writer or not, I was writing this book. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, um, and I think everyone has a purpose and I, I hope that the book is universal for people because I think God will talk to anyone and wants to talk to anybody, you know? Um, and I talk about job dissatisfaction. I think a lot of people can relate to that or having a health crisis crises. I've had several and then a lot of loved ones did like my dad had a heart attack and I'd have dreams and get information from my infertility journey that helped save his life 15 years later. Wow. Like in my infertility journey, we found out I had factor five light and a blood clotting disorder. And I remember everyone saying, oh my gosh, Lovenox shots, baby aspirin, you're going to totally get pregnant now. And I was like, uh, I don't know. And then God said to me, you're not going to get pregnant now. I'm sorry this that you remember that information. It's going to help a loved one later on. And I was like, what is that about? Well, people who have heart attacks, a lot of times it's because their blood, they have a blood clotting disorder. And when my dad had a massive heart attack, we're in the, you know, working to save his life. All these doctors are in there working frantically. And they said, does he have factor five light? And my dad didn't know he did, but I knew I inherited it from him because my mom had already been tested negative. I said, yeah, I said, yes, yes, he does. And the whole room stopped silent. They're like, do you realize if we didn't know that we would not thin his blood enough and he would die in surgery. They're like, you just saved his life telling us that. I was like, wow whoa. And God had set that up 15 years prior for me to know that. Like, so it's just things like that, that like, yeah. So you probably had this moment of like, oh, now I see, right. Now I see why. Yeah. 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 So there's lots of like correlations and stories that kind of overlap like that, where you figure it out later on. Oh, I love that. Okay. And I know you told me, but we'll tell the listeners it's available on Amazon, correct? It's on Amazon. It's through the publisher, also through the publisher, higher um, ground books and media. But definitely on Amazon as well. So, okay. All right. And on Kindle as well. Okay. So, listeners, I'll have the links for all of that in the show notes as well. So, that'll be easy click. You can get there and (laughs) and grab a copy. What was the hardest scene or topic that you had in there to write about? Definitely writing about the infertility, miscarriage, and um, loss, like, because it was just so traumatic and raw. Um, I'm very honest about all of that. And I think that helps people see that rawness and all those things. And also it was really hard to, to write about some of the losses of like my best friend, Dan and my grandma who died, but um, definitely the, the finding the right words and being honest about, about that infertility and miscarriage piece. And, and I went down some wrong paths too. 
I met an energy healer. I, I flew all the way from Wisconsin to New Mexico to go to energy healers. And I'm not going to bash them, but I'm saying it wasn't right for me and it wasn't bringing yeah. me a baby. And it kind of led me down the wrong path because I started trusting them instead of trusting God. And like, and I, there's a place for some energy healers, I'm sure, but like, it wasn't part of my path that I think I was supposed to go on. So it took me away from um, listening to God basically. Yeah. And being a physical therapist myself, I think that's a huge part of health wellness getting better is you have to believe in what you're doing to make yep. yourself better. Right. So, and that, like you said, could be run the full gamut and be totally different for people. But as long as you believe it, that that is going to help you, that's a huge key to success. Yes, totally. So yeah. But being honest, just about the wrong paths I took was, you know, I, I was just, I had to just like put it all out there. Yeah. And that's not always easy to do. Yeah. What a beautiful thing that your kids will have though, too. I know you said, you know, they haven't read it cover to cover, but I think of like the memories, right. That they'll always have this. This will always be there for them. I, I hope so. I hope they treasure it. I mean, I, if anything, they'll know that they were prayed for and they were deeply wanted and and that God really brought them to us. I, I think they're a gift. And I think when I held Beckett, the oldest one, for the very first time, there's a picture of me looking at him. And I know they say babies don't smile that young, but he was smiling at me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I'm looking at him, but the gaze in our eyes, it's almost like I knew him. Like, I believe, and this may feel wacky to the listeners, but I believe I carried him all those 30 times I miscarried him. Like it was the same soul I knew. And it got to the point where every time I got pregnant before it was even confirmed, I knew I was pregnant. Like I, you just feel that I literally started feeling like the, the egg and the sperm meeting. Like it was just kind of, I, I just had that very like connection with my body. And I, I knew when I was pregnant and I knew when I was going to lose it even before the blood tested. So, so I, 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 I definitely, Beckett as a soul would come to me in my dreams and talk to me about it all saying, oh, it's not going to work. I'll see you later. Like, yeah. And like that, I like, I knew that soul and it was, that really helped me be very comfortable with the adoption because it's not about the body, it is about the soul. And that was the same soul that was meant to be with me. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all about that. Um, so that, do you have anything else you'd like to add about it? No, that's that okay. a lot. It's okay. All so, in the book. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, Christine's book. It's God's Whispers, Your Anchor Through Life's Storms. So let's, I know we are so lucky today. You've also prepared for us a book flight to go with yes. this. Um, but have you always been a reader? Being an English teacher, I'm imagining yes, but most people would think yes, but the answer is no. Okay. <laughs> and I was more of a writer than a reader. And, um, I say that, but yet at the same time, my, my mom was always buying me books as a kid. So I guess I did. I was a reader, but didn't consider myself one. Like I was always reading like Judy Bloom or I don't know, any sassy teen magazine. So I, I read those, but I didn't really get turned on to reading until I felt like I was a good reader. So that was more like later high school, college. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And probably found it, finding books that you liked as well, right? Exactly. You could pick and choose a little bit more. Yep. Okay. So what type of books do you like to read now? Well, I I am an atypical English teacher. I love to read nonfiction more than fiction, which I know is unusual for English teachers, but I really like memoir, self-help, nonfiction, Christian spiritual, um, things like um, Between Two Kingdoms. I like Rachel Hollis, Brene Brown. Um, I just got done on vacation reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm reading that right now. 
It's fantastic. Um, I like things like by Shauna Nyquist, Present Over Perfect. And then, of course, some of the books that I'm going to talk about today. So Yeah, this is perfect segue. Let's jump into your book flight today. What's the first book we're going to be sampling? Um, it's an oldie, but a goodie. I really like um, Elizabeth Gilbert's Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. Um, I feel like that's one of the books that inspired kind of my voice and the style that I wanted for my own book. And I, so I love her voice. I love her honesty. I love her spiritual reflections. She's got a lot of like life aphorisms. And if you don't know what the book is, she starts off in Italy and explores eating and the joy of being in the present moment. It's just like so cool. Like it's just a good reminder to live in the present moment. And then her, then she goes off to India and she really learns like yoga and meditation and praying and finds inner peace and a deep connection to spirituality, which again, I think is something that's lacking in our world or slowing down and taking time to think about what is that Holy Spirit saying to you. And then she finally finds love. She goes off and meets a medicine man who helps her find her balance. And she falls in love with this Brazilian man. And it's just kind of romantic. Yeah. Um, well, I just, I her, the whole book just really impacted me because it kind of teaches us to embrace our passions and um, let go of what doesn't serve us. And um, she has some great quotes in her book, like all over the place. I remember when I read it years ago, like I'm highlighting things left and right. And so I love books that like make me reread it and make me think about my life and make me better. And yeah. her quote, she says, she says, um, you have to participate relentlessly in the manifestation of your own blessings. And I, I like that a lot. It's like, it reminds you to take risks and make sacrifices and experience love and happiness. And, um, she talks a lot too, about like appreciating those small moments and practicing gratitude. And I thought, I think about my own story, like when you, when you're going through hard times, trying to like live in that present moment still, and not be so focused on your future goal and trying to just really show gratitude um, for even the joy. There's things we can be thankful for, even when we're going through the hardest of times and it's hard to do, but like, I think it's important. And that book kind of helped me do that. Yeah. And it helps, I think, change your mindset a little bit. Um, I love this. I think this was the first book I kind of read like this as well. Um, I, but I liked that you got to travel along with her and like, you kind of felt like you got to really learn about the place and, but also like you were saying the spiritual lessons that she was teaching you. And for me, as you were kind of saying that sometimes I, that's when I read sentences in the book or the Bible, whatever it is that I'm reading, that's what I'm like. And I highlighted it. I just have this moment where I sit there and I'm like, this is a good message for me right now. Like that's God yeah. sending me that to I me. I had that a lot through that book. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So. <laughs> Another quote she had that I liked a lot too. She said, happiness is a consequence of personal effort. You fight for it. You strive for it, insist upon it, and sometimes even travel around the world looking for it. And it's like, yeah, like it's just, you have to like, you can bring joy into your life. You don't have to, you know, sit around being unhappy. You can find joy right here and now. Yeah. And how powerful it is, right, to think that we can control. I mean, I know God is in control, but that we right. can we can choose joy. We can choose to be happy. We can we can choose our attitude to things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah how we respond. Yep. That's beautiful. All right. Anything else you'd like to add about that one? No, I just I just think I love her. Like as she writes, she talks to the reader, and I think that's so cool. And so I feel like she was like my mentor. She doesn't know this. I would love to meet her. I'd love to tell her <laughs> this. But I her writing style, I feel like I digested it so much that I tried to kind of do, em, emulate it in my own writing. So it was a big influence for me. Yeah, 
I think in our last episode, actually episode, episode 18, um, Madeline was talking about, I think she wrote another book called big magic. Oh yeah, she did. Is this the one on creativity? Yeah. And she was saying how that ins- inspires her so much. Cause she is an author herself and how, like when she's kind of feeling stagnant, she'll go back to that. And so I'm okay. like, Oh, I, I have that on my TBR list. No, that's a good read as well. I, I like that one a lot too. Okay. Well, great. So that was Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert. And then what's our second book of the pairing today? Um, Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. Okay. One of my all-time favorites. Again, another goodie. This was published in 1997. And that was the same year that my best friend Dan died, who I write about in my book. And it came out right at the right time for me because here I'm like 23 years old. And in you know you think you're invincible. You think that that's not going to happen to you. And, and I think a lot of young people think that like, you know, that it can happen theoretically, but you don't truly like believe it. And when he died, who, a friend who I thought I'd have in my life, all my life, you know, yeah. we were best college friends. I was like, I was just in shock and I was grieving so deeply for him. And this book comes out and just to give a quick little summary of it, you've got a, prof- a, a professor named um, Maury, that's the name, Tuesdays of Maury and his old student, Mitch, and that's the author, Mitch album. He, they were student teacher in college and uh maury he sees on a tv show that he's he's dying of als and so mitch goes and visits him every tuesday and together they write the book um, about the meaning of life and they have several different topics in this book um you know from everything from death and marriage and culture and forgiveness and it goes on and on and and i kind of modeled my book after that um you can tell the things i read a lot it influenced me (laughs) but uh (laughs) I divided my book up in the sections like that as well. But this book really teaches you to accept death, to live in that present moment again, and to find gratitude similar to like eat, pray, love, kind of that same theme. But there was a couple of quotes in there that just changed me and helped me kind of put my friend's death into perspective. And album says, death ends a life, not a relationship. And that's so true. I mean, we yeah. know it, but such a good reminder to me at that time in my life. And even now that, um, I still have those memories and I still feel like Dan comes to me through it. I don't know if you call it an angel or what, but I, he comes in my dreams and he tells me things. And um, I, I just really feel like um, that energy, those, those people who pass on are still with us. And so that quote just was like, it was almost like God talking to me through that book. Like, it's okay. Like they're still around and see him again someday. If you believe in a, in a heaven, you know, and I do. Um, he also says in that book, when you know how to die, you know how to live. Like if you really believe that you could die at any moment, you're going to live more meaningfully. And we know that theoretically, but how often do we really do that? Like you don't want to go to bed mad or you don't want to, um, you don't want to leave things undone kind of thing. And so I always try to keep that in my mind. I don't always, you know, sometimes you don't, you forget, but I think it's such an important lesson that I learned really early on in my twenties and, um, stayed with me to the point where I've taught this book every single year since it was published. And when other teachers fight to try to move it to a different class, I'm like, no, 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 it's staying in this class. And And I've done a living funeral for 28 years in a row with my students where they write compliments to every single person in class because in the book, they have a living funeral. And before he dies, he's like, I want to hear all the good things about me while I'm alive. Why do people have to say all these things that are nice when I'm dead? I won't get to hear them. Yeah, true. Like we need to show that appreciation to people while we're alive. And so 
I've had all my students write compliments to each other and then we all sign them and like they share out their two or three ones that surprised them or were funny or most meaningful. And then we bring in food and we have a big funeral um, yeah. every year. So it's kind of become a tradition in my class as they read this book too. Yeah. So. Wow. I, I lost my dad in my twenties as well. And it has really made me feel like these big things that I've done in my life that I might be scared or afraid to do. It's like, you need to live your life, get out there. So that second quote that you gave, I'm like, yeah, I, that's really a motto in my world of just mm-hmm. getting out there. You never know how long we're going to have. You never know if we have tomorrow. So just go out there and exactly. make the most of it. I know some people like try to put things off to retirement. I'm like, nope, we're taking that vacation. We're going to stop and go do this family stuff. You know, and so it's important to live your life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think he has another famous book as well as the five people you meet in heaven. Did he write that one? He is like 10 or 11 or 12. Okay. I don't know. Um, yeah, five, that's a good one. Okay. And um, he just wrote a really, what was it called? The one about this guy on this boat. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, these are the only like, two I could pull, like okay. from memory. That's the only two I could yeah. pull. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible with titles, but he has a couple, he has some other fantastic books. He has one about it. He adopted a daughter named Chica and he wrote about that. And I have one right in front of me, but I haven't read it yet. He's got, it's called The Next Person You Meet in Heaven, that one. Okay. Um, but there's another really good one about a man on a boat and it's, it's hard to explain. You'd have to read it, but it was really good. <laughs> Okay. Do you have anything else you want to add about Tuesdays with Maury? I just think it's fantastic. And it, it can, anyone at any age can can take something away from it. And I think it's one of those books that you can come back to. And as you go through more life experiences, you're going to relate to it in different ways. Like most recently, I like, I like his chat, like where he talks about attachment versus detachment. And I think that's such a key lesson in life. Like you got to live your life and attach to those present moments and really take everything in. But you also have to detach to things that like maybe you need to learn to let go or to forgive and um, not hold on to being upset with somebody. And, you know, and so like that, that, that pull of that rubber band of going back and forth between attachment and detachment, I think is another lesson that's always stuck with me too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel like death is another one of these. It's not a taboo topic per se, but I think we, I think you see other cultures that, you know, they respect their elders and like the death is seen yeah. as more of just a cycle of life. Right. But I don't think as Americans, we do that very well. I don't think we grieve well. Yeah. And or, so. or, or, ex- or take time to feel the emotions Yeah, that, that should come with loss of a loved one sometimes yeah yeah and like I mean exactly to what you're saying with this attachment and detachment right like let yourself feel but you know and it's not saying you totally need to move on you can have that relationship and remember them but at a certain point right like I had to tell myself that with my dad like my dad wouldn't want me to sit here wallowing right like I need to he would want me to keep going right like yeah, Maury talks about that. And I think it's interesting the way he he's like, yep, I'm going to let myself feel sad for myself with this ALS, but I'm not going to let myself feel that all day long. Like yeah. I need to let that go a little bit. Yeah. So I thought that that's a healthy attitude, I thought. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to read this because I'm not, I think I've only read five, the five people you meet in heaven. I don't think I've read this one. Oh. So, <laughs> okay. So that was Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. And then what is the last book of our pairing today? Um, the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, and that one is actually a fictional book, but the themes tie into what we've been talking about. And so when I read this for the first time, 
Um, it's a fiction book that has many truths about life, and it's philosophical and a spiritual journey about a shepherd named Santiago who dreams of finding a treasure in the Egyptian pyramids to fulfill his destiny. And what's interesting is along the way, he learns important lessons about following his dreams and listening to his heart and trusting the universe. And again, this is one of those books that has, it's just filled with little aphorisms and like sayings about life that you're like, wow, yeah. And, and it's a, it's an easy read, but it's a deep read. And mm-hmm. so if you take the time to really like think about it, um, you could be thinking a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He learns that it, um, he's not searching for material wealth like he thought he was, but the realization of his personal legend and his purpose and destiny in life. Um, the, one of the biggest themes is that that we all have a purpose. And it kind of reminded me of my book too. Like when I read this, I'm like, this is fiction, but like every lesson in here is in my nonfiction book. And so I felt like it was like this model of my book. It was so weird when I read it for the first time. So he really shows how we have this purpose and that it's about the journey, not about the destination. Like we have to enjoy the journey along the way with through all the ups and downs and and learn lessons along the way. Um, One of the points, I think, um, again, like the other books I pointed out today was about following your dreams, living in the present moment, trusting your journey in life. Um, it, it really reinforced, he talks about listening to your heart, which again, was what I was told to do and, um, how everything happens for a reason. And he shows that like, there's signs that will, and those people will just pop up into your life and help you on your journey if you let them. And if you go off course, you'll eventually get back on course because you're meant to do certain things. And it really shows how like there's nothing is a coincidence. One of the quotes that I really liked in this book was he said, um, and when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. And like, it's so true. And that's really what I try to show in my own book. Like how I think about stories that I wrote, like how I was supposed to be a teacher and how I found the right jobs at the right time. And just the way the adopting my kids kind of came into place and then just writing my book, how, people came at the right time, right when I needed them. Um, and then meeting my husband, just how that happened. And then, you know, getting health answers. And so it's just, we all just have to pay attention because the universe is giving us messages. Yeah. And I think, I mean, even as you've been talking about your story and your book, you gave resistance to it too, right? You're like, you kind of yeah. pushed back and you're like, no, nope. like, I'm not writing this. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I'm not public. And after I wrote it, I'm not publishing this. I'm not putting this out there. Yeah. Oh, yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And just how much the, like this book you're saying, the universe conspired to be like, nope, this is your path. And um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes even myself, right? I get lost in this sense of like, what is my purpose, right? What is my purpose here? Um. And so I sometimes get lost in that, but I think that goes back to trusting, being mm-hmm. patient, you know, Definitely. that God will guide me or, you know, whatever you want, if you want to call it the universe, we'll be guided along our path. We just need to be right. open to it. Exactly. So. I truly believe that. And, um, and the more I see, you know, all these past students of mine, you know, I, I can kind of see as this. You're like, oh, you're going to do this someday. And they don't think so. And then they come back. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it worked. And I went back with the coolest thing about this book was um, after I got it published, I went back to my high school English teacher, the one who said I had to be a teacher, the one who said she knew I was going to be a teacher. And um, she, I had her for advanced composition and journalism. And Mrs. Campbell's her name. She's now like in her 80s. Wow. And I brought when I knocked on her door. I see her every couple of years. And I, and I gave her a copy of my book and she was just, 
really excited about it. So. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> Has she contacted you? Did she read it? She read it and she did call me, which okay. she's never called me before. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she's, you know, my maiden name was Nikas. She goes, Nikas, it's not too bad. I, I liked it. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. She's like, no, I liked it a lot. I'm like, okay. And then she told me what she liked. And then she's like, now, if you want to revise it, I would have changed blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Thanks. Ever to this day, a teacher. <laughs> yes, yes. It was funny. But she told me what I'm going to do on my next book. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, that is so great. I love that. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, the third book of your pairing today was The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. I think that's how we say it. <laughs> okay. All right. I had one idea as you've been talking about a dessert pairing. Have you read um, On Fire by John? Is it John O'Leary or John Leary? I haven't read that one. Okay. I think you would really like it. I talked about it in episode three, so I won't go too much into okay. detail here, listeners, because I've already talked about it. But he was burned on 90 percent plus of his body in the 1980s when that was pretty much a death sentence in the 80s because we didn't have the treatments we now have to have someone survive that but he was burned on 90 plus percent of his body i can't remember the exact percentage and it is his story about god essentially guiding him on the path oh wow and so i think you would really enjoy it because it sounds kind of yeah. right in the same vein and he talks a lot about those he calls them inflection points basically when we get that message from god but really kind of being still feeling silent quieting the world around you to be able to hear those moments and he's like and it's not going to be these big events of course like of course the big events are there too but he's like it's these smaller right. ones that will really help put us on that trajectory of our life. So I think you'll really enjoy it. Everyday life, just like sitting in the car, listening to the radio and being quiet. And all of a sudden you might get ideas that pop in your head, you know? Yeah. It's like those pops in your head of like brainstorms that people just dismiss, but those are messages. Like sometimes yeah. it's that idea. Like when you get an idea in your head and you don't know where it came from, like really pay attention to that. Cause that's, usually something. Yeah. And I've heard yeah. people call it like, like you've already mentioned, but like my intuition was kind of guiding me or you were kind of felt this way. I mm -hmm. think that's God guiding you, right? Oh yeah. I, I think so. And I, and I don't get into the debate in the book. Like, is it God? Is it the Holy spirit? Is it some other, like whatever you want to call it? Yes. It's something to pay attention to. <laughs> yes. I like that. Okay, well, let's end today with our speed round of questions that I call our bonus pairings. And these are just some quick questions you can answer. So the first one, are you a rereader? If the book is good, yes. <laughs> Love it. Do you <laughs> prefer audio or hard copy books? Hard copy every time. Okay. And then what is one book you have read that has changed your life? Oh, that's one. <laughs> you could give us a couple. It's fine. <laughs> um, so many. Um, obviously, the ones I talked about today have changed okay. my life. So all all of those, um, the Bible, um, the little engine that could. Yeah. Um, I remember three years old. My dad reading it to me, and he said, "Your initial spell can because my maiden name is Nikas C A N." And he's like, "You can do whatever you put your mind to," and he's like, "Don't forget the little train." And I think that taught me persistence and determination at an early age, and um, and that's that that's helped me out a lot in life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right. And then lastly, what are you reading next? 
Brene Brown's Dare to Lead. I love Brene Brown. Um, I've read most of her books, and so I haven't read that one yet. And I just got done reading um, Bittersweet by Susan Cain. I really enjoyed that yeah. one. Okay. And that one, I feel like could have been a pairing in here just with the learning about grief and loss. Um, I really liked, um, I don't remember her, the author's name, but the one who wrote Between Two Kingdoms. Oh, yeah. She's so moving, so deep, and so sad. Really enjoyed it though. And she had such beautiful writing and the way she worded things and had these realizations about life too and living in that present moment. And that is a really poignant book. That was a, yeah, a great one. That was a good one too. So, so yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate you so your time. Of course. Yeah. I know your time is precious. So I really appreciate the time you've given me today. Well, thank you so much. It was great. Great to talk to you. Yes. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to Christine and I in our discussion today on her book flight of books that talk about living life to the fullest. We'd love to hear what other books you would pair with this book flight at bookishflights.com. You can also reach Christine on Facebook on her Christine Nikas Thoma author page, on her website, christinenikasthoma.com, or on Instagram, christine.n.thoma. I will have all these links in the show notes. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show. So if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.